Charmed. How do you do? How has everyone been? I've been posting a bit sporadically, which is wildly unlike me. You guys know me. I am Miss Stability. I underpromise and I overdeliver, right? That's just me. That's just who I am. And that's why I founded my startup. Um, I've been posting a bit sporadically in a shocking turn of events. And you know what? It's not because of the usual reasons. I'm depressed. I'm getting blood work done because I think I'm anemic. But everyone says my iron levels are fine. It is, you know what? It's, it's kind of a long story. But, and I don't even know if a lot of you guys are going to believe me, but uh, me and a friend, bestie of the podcast, my friend Joe Rogan, we've been in Bushwick just railing lines of ketamine. We've been at Mood Ring just horsing around, and I mean that in the most literal sense, truly horsing around with Joe Rogan in the bathroom of Mood Ring to treat COVID. And honestly, I've been loving it. I feel like it really brought us together. And I feel like, I don't know, at some point, Joe and I were really drifting apart. He was hanging out with Elon Moore. And I was like, what happened to us? What happened to just the, the nights we used to have, like watching movies, drinking wine? Lying on our stomachs, swinging our feet in the air and giggling. What happened to those days? And then he called me up the other day and he said, you know what, Serena, I, I have COVID. And I said, that's, that's a real shocker, Joe. That's a real shocker. We all know uh, how, how hard you worked to not get it. We all know. You used, uh, you used those special steroids that boost your immune system. So I figured that you were safe. Um, and it was really shocking for all of us, me and my entire entourage. And I said, you know what? Fly on out. No mask. Get on, get on a, a, a Spirit Airlines flight. They don't mind. You can infect anyone on a Spirit Airlines flight. They don't even care. I'm drinking, um, <laughs> I'm drinking Bang Energy. I'm, mm, I'm drinking Bang Energy. Oh, it gets so much worse. In the flavor Swirly Pop. I don't even know what that means. And I'm drinking it out of a cocktail glass. I don't even know what kind of glass it is because it's the kind that, like, maybe it's a martini glass, but it also, I don't know. I was talking about Joe. Yeah, I was talking about Joe. Um... But yeah, we were doing ketamine to treat his COVID, and he's all better now, so it worked. So for any of you, if you're out there, you're going to raves, you're partying, um, you're a $3 bill, you're just going absolutely cuckoo, and you get infected with COVID, just do ketamine. You can actually do it at $3 bill, not a lot of people know that. It's kind of like a, a two-in-one deal that they have going on in Brooklyn, which is really exciting. So that was just a bit of an update on my social life. Um, honestly, the more people are going to hate me for saying this. I actually don't, I don't know the extent to which like Joe Rogan has poisoned 
our culture. I've certainly imagined it, but I also assume that of kind of everyone. I'm not the most uh, forgiving person. So I'm not quite sure. Maybe he's brainwashed our youth. I don't know the youth. I guess they follow me on TikTok. I, I'm not hanging out with little boys. I'm not James Charles. But So that's a little disclaimer. But I will say, as someone who does not know the extent to which whatever evil Joe Rogan has been up to, the more he slips into the throes of whatever mental illness he has gotten from doing DMT with Elon Musk, the more I'm like, you know what? Maybe he can kind of hang. You know? Because it's one thing to be dangerously stupid. Most people are. It's one thing to be dangerously stupid. A dime a dozen. It's another thing to be dangerously stupid and putting horse paste in your protein shake. That feels like another level. And to me, that feels like someone who understands his role as a public figure. Because I think that's what the world is missing. I'm tired of being annoyed all the time. That's such a base level emotion. I'm tired of just this, like, slight irritation. I want to feel something more than that. I want, I want someone to make me feel more than just, like, if I go outside and the person in front of me is walking slowly, I'm going to become the Joker. That, to me, isn't terribly exciting. I'm used to it. I, he's really, like, leveled up. I'm adjusting my microphone volume because I'm yelling at myself. He's really leveled up. And I've talked about this before, about how I don't think celebrities understand their role. They just have this... I mean, I guess Joe Rogan is also delusional, but regular celebrities, whatever you want to call them, I don't know, people who don't eat horse paste, they have a different type of delusion that's a lot less exciting. That's just... I'm so important that people are going to care when I talk to BuzzFeed about my mental health, that people are going to care about my house tour and my skincare routine. They don't. You know what makes people care about you? Lose your goddamn mind. Take a... What is... What's the phrase? Take a page out of Joe Rogan's book. Do that... And lose your mind. Like, that is, that is the role of public figures. I'm so tired of people who are making me feel nothing but slight irritation. I want to see people who are willing to do insane, dangerous things to their bodies because of something someone in a cult said to them once at Burning Man that to them overrode all scientific research in the world, in their mind. I prefer that very much. If it wasn't for the risk of putting everyone else in danger, I would encourage every other public figure to tell their audience the same stuff. Because if someone's willing to be like, you know what, let's hear them out about the horse pace stuff. Whatever... Whatever ensues they had coming. Survival of the fittest. Like, that may be our only option as a society. And I don't think that that's a bad way for a good amount of society to collapse. Because it's funny. And that's really what matters. (sighs) 
what else? I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm lately, and I have to be very careful about the shows I watch. I I very rarely get into shows, and I don't understand how people do. I guess maybe... Maybe that's like a a thing I need to go to therapy for. Maybe that's like a a commitment issue thing that I can't get into a TV show. To me, that's the biggest commitment. And so when I finally do, it really bleeds into my life. I'm not, you know, I don't watch a movie in a theater and go out and think like, okay, they could have recast this role and the lighting could have been better in this scene. I'm like, okay, this is like my favorite movie in my head right now because it's the one I just saw. And this is what I want to talk about now. Because I just saw it. So, that's why I've never... I haven't read Sally Rooney. I'm sure I would enjoy Sally Rooney's books based on, like, everything I know about her, but everyone has already read them. The discussions have already been had. I can't do that. I can't do that to myself. Like, read it and want to talk about it. Take take conversations with friends to brunch and be like, let's discuss this just for my friends to be like, yeah, we already have... We already have. You told us that we that you were never going to read it. So I can't now. It's like watching Tiger King now. I'm sure it would blow my mind as a show. But it's too late. It's simply too late. Anyway, I finally gotten past my issues. And I've gotten somewhat into Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it's made me realize why I don't watch TV shows a lot. It's bleeding into my life. I had to take a break because I was getting so cynical and not in the normal way, but in like an an observational comedy way. And I love Larry David, but I don't want to be an observational comedy queen. You know, that's just not me. I don't want to be that every day getting on stage and being like, hey, look at you guys. You, You were home and you were going out and now you're out and you're here and look at us. That's my Jerry Seinfeld. Thank you, everyone. But I've been getting like that. I've been getting too too observational. I was on the train the other night with Tess. We were coming back from Malibu Diner on 23rd. Um, Shout out to them. And we passed the train station. I think it's 49th Street. The station, it's my least favorite of all the train stations that I see regularly. It's hideous. It has... These, like, fake bright red bricks that look like they've been modge-podged over. Like, they're so bright, they look laminated. They look disgusting. The uncanny valley of bricks. Truly hideous bricks. Least favorite train station. I'm also pretty sure I fainted there once, but I might be confusing it with a different thing. I think at the time I was dating... Was I dating a doctor who went to Columbia and lived there? Or was I dating someone who was, like, in residency at Columbia and lived uptown? I don't know. I was, like, 19 at the time. I, God knows. Probably both of those people. I don't know. Yeah. A horrible station. I'm on the train. I, I turn to Taz and I'm like, look at this. This is the worst station. Look at these tacky fake bricks. Who sells bricks like that? Who's like, oh, do you like the old-fashioned charm of bricks? Do you like the quaintness of an exposed brick wall? How would you like the cartoon version of that? You know what's missing from that is a shade of red that can give you a migraine. And it should be shiny. And this station 
you it's it's such a pain in the ass to get out of you have to take like three flights of stairs and four escalators to get that far up to get on street level and it's like how did you even let me get this far underground is there something happening above me is there another train going above me is that why we needed to reserve so much space was that occupied real estate and Tess just looks at me and she's like Serena you're doing Larry David you're doing Larry David. Like, you need to stop and you need to take a break. This is why I don't watch TV. I don't see how I don't see how the people binge watch. That's also so I don't know, it feels so time consuming. I don't even do anything that feels time consuming, right? I listen to like podcasts, but that's when I'm at the gym, which I am now. I joined the gym. Have I said that? I joined it just for the treadmill fully. I fully have not touched anything else there. Which I don't believe. I think cardio is the way to go because it's just like cardio is the, the part of exercise that makes you not kill yourself, which is the only like really important part. That's all I do. I just do the treadmill. I had such a stressful experience today because I saw, I thought I saw someone I knew right in front of me. It was like literally she had the same type of ponytail <laughs> of this girl I knew, the same like jacket draped over the treadmill and I was like oh my god I'm gonna have to say hi to her I spent like a half hour preparing mentally and then she gets off to clean the machine and it's fully someone else I prepare all that time I mean I guess it's good to like waste time in the treadmill that's like kind of best case anyway what was I okay yes I'm done with that over it over it what I do want to talk about oh by the way this episode is with Isaac Likes Maybe I'll add a, like, real intro. Uh, This episode is with Isaac Likes, the DJ slash TikToker slash ex-fashion journalist. I don't know, socialite. Everyone's a socialite in my book. If we've socialized together, you're a socialite. Um, I I will be joined by him later on in this episode. One more thing I want to rant about. I want to talk about something that I've talked about before. If anything, it's one of my, like, one of my many interests. I love, I love an internet entrepreneur. I am obsessed with internet entrepreneurs in the same way that I'm obsessed with, like, Elizabeth Holmes and pyramid schemes. Like, it's just, it's a fraud. But for them, it's a fraud happening live in front of your own eyes. Imagine if Elizabeth Holmes was live tweeting her whole saga. And she, like, wasn't successful, though. Those are the types of people I'm talking about. And, of course, there's the classics. There's the big dogs. There's uh, the Gary V's of the world. The Ty Lopez's of the world. The Jake Paul's. I think it's just Jake. Logan, maybe? I think Jake is very, very that. Um, oh, my God. I don't think I've said this. Wait, have I not said this on the podcast? I went to... I may have said this. <laughs> God, I'm aging. I went to a Winklevoss concert. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. The Winklevoss twins of, if you're like young, of the social network fame played by Army Hammer, yikes. They made a rock duo with each other. Brothers, besties, just like me and Joe Rogan, just absolute besties. Just can't, can't tear them apart, no matter what Elon Musk does. They made a rock duo together. 
And they had their first show in Brooklyn. What is the place called? God damn it, I forget the name of the place. Yeah, they had a show. They did covers together. They are these 6'5", like very... I mean, they're Bitcoin looking. They're they're from Greenwich. They were rowers in the Olympics. Like you you couldn't imagine two people who it would be more entertaining to see them try to form a rock duo. Something I've never witnessed is such a clear midlife crisis. And not just that, but two midlife crises happening at one time because they're the same age. If you uh, if you know about twins. It was incredible. One of them was wearing... I want to say one of them was wearing leather pants. I might be making that up. One of them definitely had a chain wallet. It was incredible. I was crying laughing. They were doing, like, Blink-182. That type of... I was crying laughing. I'm pretty sure I was also crying crying. And, like, fully... I, I will say right now, of course they were terrible. Of course they were terrible. They're the Winklevoss twins trying to do rock. I don't have to say that. That would be insane if I came on here and they were like, and I was like, you know what? You know what? They, they blew my mind. Every expectation I had, they blew it out of the water. I'm in tears. I also bought a $20 t-shirt from uh, them. <laughs> of their band. I don't even remember the name of their band. I think like this moon, Mars Landing. Mars, Mars Moon, Milky Mars, I don't know. They were bad. Yes, of course it was. Of course it was bad. Aren't great singers. I think one of them may have been playing like the guitar or something. It was, they had like a whole band behind them, so it was kind of hard to distinguish, but it was not good. I will say that naturally. And what I will also say is that I have never had as much fun at a performance in my entire goddamn life. It was incredible. It was incredible just witnessing that, being able to witness that, and especially the fact that it was like a cover band. So it was like, you know, these songs I knew already, and I got to watch the Winklevoss twins perform. Oh, I just knocked my microphone. That's how passionate I'm getting. I got to watch the Winklevi perform them. Oh my god. I'm getting emotional almost. And that was like the first time they've ever performed. Uh, I don't know if they have since. I don't know if they will ever again. But I literally, I invited my friend, uh, my friend Jovan, Jovan Hill, and... He was like, why are we here? Like, this is bad. This is bad. Why are we listening to this? It's bad. And I was like, you're witnessing history right now. That's why we're here. To witness history. Okay, I'm done with that. That was a sidebar because I had to, I had to talk about that. I mean, if you were at like, what's a historical event? A historical event. Um, I don't know, like. Abraham Lincoln posing for that big chair sculpture. If you were there, if you were watching Abe sit in that chair, you would talk about it. You would have to discuss it. You would have to get it off your chest. But going back, rewind, rewind, internet entrepreneurs. So we know the big dogs. 
We know the big players in the internet entrepreneur game. We've all been scammed by them. We've all bought their books that will teach us how to start our own drop shipping business. And we've all been out $3,000 from that and all the add-ons and never made any of it back. Guys, that's just part of being human. And mine is coming soon. Mine is coming soon. I'm still, uh, I'm still paying someone on Fiverr to write it. They're being super annoying. They're being like, you need to pay me more. It's so irritating. But I see a lot of internet entrepreneurs that maybe aren't Gary Vee or Ty Lopez. God bless their hearts. I see a lot of just like VCs on Twitter, startup founders on Twitter. They do this interesting thing. They'll tweet something. It'll be like two sentences. Usually all of their threads are either the most insane thing you've ever heard or just common basic human knowledge. Usually it's some bizarre combination of both. They'll have like two sentences and then it'll say thread, arrow, and then like the thread emoji, which is, I mean, that's an interesting touch. I'm not obsessed with it, but I like, I like that they attempted to add a visual. That's a Twitter entrepreneur's Jew. And I haven't talked about them because I haven't witnessed anything that any of them have done that was worth like reading out loud. It's all been like very mediocre, very... You know, it's kind of boring to see. But I had the pleasure of coming across the thread by John Oringer. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. I don't really care too much. If you don't know who he is, I didn't. He is the founder of Shutterstock, a website that I have never used, uh, haven't heard the name of in years, and don't care about. I'm not even sure. I didn't even bother to look that up. I don't know if, is that a, I feel like it's, I think that's stock photos. Good for him. To give you a bit more context, his Twitter bio is founder and executive chairman at Shutterstock, husband of at Talia Oringer. Why do, can someone tell me why these types always tag their spouses in their bios? Like a middle schooler tagging their boyfriend that they're building up the courage to hold hands with. They, like, tag their boyfriend and put, like, a a lock emoji after his name. These adults are doing that. They're married. That's so odd to me. Um, Father of Serena and Celes. I don't know how to pronounce that either. And Shutterstock.com. Incubating businesses in Miami, whatever. Uh, John, listen to me and listen to me good. Your kid has the same name as me. Change it. I'm dead serious. That is unacceptable to me. I did not consent to having the same name as your child. Change your kid's name. I'm not asking again. Anyway, the, the, the reason I bring up this man. He's the type of person I noticed a lot lately on Twitter. These, like, internet entrepreneurs, semi-successful VCs who make these threads about what they've learned, what they've learned in their career. This man has written the most, the single most psychotic anything. Not even most psychotic tweet or thread of tweets or thing on the internet, the most psychotic string of words that I have ever laid my big, brown, gorgeous, seductive eyes on in my entire life. 
It took a bit of digging, but I did some detective work and I found someone who saved the full thread before he deleted it. And I will be reading it in its entirety right now. Take this journey with me. Shall we? Oh my god, I'm so excited. It's, honestly, this is about to get so... The tone of my voice, in terms of, like, the subject matter, I'm about to read out loud. I'm going to take a deep breath. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Maybe I'll add some royalty-free music to play in the background of this. Does Shutterstock have that? Maybe. I'll have to see. I still don't know what they do. On 9-11, I looked up and saw the second plane hit the World Trade Center. I can still feel the searing heat from the explosion. That day changed my entrepreneurial journey forever. Here is the story. Arrow, thread emoji, one slash. The day started like many others. I left my West Village apartment to take the one slash nine subway to Rector Street. I was working on leading the construction of a trading system with at Dan McCorm for a market making group on the now-closed American Stock Exchange, two slash. I didn't know it at the time, but while I was underground, the first plane hit the North Tower. The subway stopped at the World Trade Center station and the train conductor announced an emergency situation. At this point, I was right under the towers. This wasn't an unusual thing to hear, three slash. The train doors opened and some people left. I stayed as it was normal for trains to experience some delays. The train eventually left the station for Rector Street, my stop. When I got out, I started to walk to my office on Broadway, but something was off. At this point, I was very close to the World Trade Center South Tower, about 150 feet away. Oh, I forgot after you said something was off, uh, four slash, so that was the fourth tweet. About 150 feet away, there were huge pieces of metal on the ground, People were huddled in doorways, frightened. I walked around a bit and will never forget the looks on people's faces. Fear, confusion, and every emotion at once. Five slash. People were talking out loud to themselves and others. I heard things like, a second plane is coming, and was this an accident, and was it a small or large plane, and this is terrorism. And I started to realize something big just happened, but still wasn't sure. Six slash. I heard a plane flying above and people started to scream. As I looked up, the second plane went straight into the south tower. The heat was so intense and burned in a way I will never forget. The moment is literally seared into my body and memory. Seven slash. The second tower was now on fire. I got a glimpse of the first tower. I was in shock. At this point, most people started to walk toward Bowery not about Battery Park. Sorry, I've been partying downtown a bit. I did as well. It took about seven minutes of walking to see what was really going on. Eight slash. I had a cell phone, but it wasn't working. It was a small Nokia. There weren't widespread data or texting capabilities yet. I couldn't call or communicate with anyone. My priority was getting a glimpse of both towers. When I arrived in the park, I could see both towers on fire. Nine slash. I didn't know it at the time, but my brother at Tim Oranger was working in the North Tower and he was walking down the stairs trying to get out. His office had just moved from another building and I hadn't gotten the update. Ten slash. 
There was a family with young kids in a car stuck in traffic. I saw all of them looking at the towers. These memories are so clear 20 years later. I still think about the family and what they did next, as there was no way to leave the area at this point without walking. Eleven slash. With no communication capabilities, cars gridlocked, subways stopped, and mass confusion, I started to walk back home to West Village. I started walking up Broadway, as that was the most direct route. Twelve slash. I wish I had a camera. I was N. Hobby Street Photographer, that's how he spelled it, and usually carried a medium format Mamiya 7-Eleven. Alright. For some reason that day, I didn't have it with me. I think back and wish I did, as the memories are clear as day to me, but it would be great to show to others, 13 slash. This was an important thought for me when I started at Shutterstock, but more on that later. As I started to walk, something new was wrong. The ground was trembling. I was at Liberty and Broadway, and when I turned around, I saw a wall of white smoke coming toward me. 14 slash. For the next seven to ten minutes, I couldn't see a thing. We went from a beautiful sunny day to complete darkness. I was pretty sure I was dead as nothing made any sense. I was walking in darkness and bumping into screaming people, 15 slash. I found a door and started to bang on it with my fists. It was an office building and some people let me in. I learned the tower had fell and we were worried the building we were in was going to fall as well. We went to the basement as we thought that would be safe, 16 slash. I stayed in that basement with about 15 other people, listening and gathering all the information I could. After about 10 minutes, I decided I needed to get as far away from the era as possible. I got out of the building and started running north as fast as I could, 17 slash. Eventually, I got home. While I was running home, the second tower fell. I picked up a phone. My landline worked. I called everybody I could. I learned my brother, at Tim Oranger, Got out of Tower 1 a few minutes before the tower fell. He walked down flight by flight, 18 slash. Later, I learned about lots of friends of friends who weren't as fortunate, couldn't get out of the building, and died. While I was on an entrepreneurial path before that, certain things were cemented in my mind as of that day I needed to build. 19 slash. Given the destruction I saw, I committed to building as much as I could. I created 10 tech-slash-internet businesses, including Shutterstock, from 2001 to 2003. Internet stocks had all crashed. I saw destruction and disruption now as opportunity, 20-slash. Others that I knew ran from risk instead of staying in the towers as I would have done. I looked for risk. I tried to find new 9-11s wherever I could. Okay, maybe I just changed some words around, but whatever. I, I just wanted to, I, I felt as if I could better clarify his words. You know, I'm more of a writer than he is, let's be honest. Shutterstock, please. Okay, I'll be good, I'll be good. <clears throat> I started to think about how to create the risk-reward profile that makes sense. If people must risk dying in an enormous, deadly terrorist attack that changed the United States and the global landscape as we know it, they should receive the reward of being able to buy photos of women smiling while eating lettuce for $2.99 a pop. I looked so much evil straight in the eye, like 9-11, that I wanted to create things people loved, like pictures of 9-11. 
Okay, maybe I did it again. Okay, I changed some things around, but I I just I just feel like I was getting to a place that he was trying to get to and didn't really have the vocabulary to express that. All right, there's one tweet left. Or I guess there's two tweets left. I'm going to leave those as is. I'm going to let his words speak for themselves. When I created At Shutterstock soon after, I thought about how I forgot my camera on 9-11. The biggest tragedy of that day. I thought about thousands of people all creating content and bringing it together in a Google of photography. I thought about Addison Ray doing The Renegade in front of a green screen of the Twin Towers. I wanted to create a collective consciousness of imagery so nothing is forgotten, except for the friends I talked about who died in 9-11 that I never even mentioned by name in this thread, because it's about my entrepreneurial journey. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about 9-11 and use my experience to drive forward, build, and take calculated risks. Like calling in a bomb threat to JFK to inspire other young entrepreneurs to do the same. Okay, maybe I added a few things. I added a few things. Whatever, that's the end of the thread. Like, no, I didn't say all of it verbatim. I may have taken some creative liberties, but it's all stuff that he wanted to add anyway. So you're welcome, John, whatever your name is. There's something so nice. There's something so calming about seeing someone just lose their goddamn mind about someone it just publicly making 9-11 about their entrepreneurship. Don't you feel good about yourself right now? These are the people you're comparing yourself to? Why don't I have a company? Maybe you shouldn't have one. Maybe you shouldn't start the next Shutterstock. Maybe you should get medicated. And be loved. (laughs) Maybe you should take a walk in the park. And smell a flower. And talk to an old person. Anyway, I'll wrap it up because we have Isaac on this episode. But let me just finish. Uh, He did a little bit of a follow-up. Which is so exciting. He said, I deleted a thread I wrote earlier. My words did not accurately convey what was in my heart. I should have thought more carefully about their potential impact. My thoughts are with all 9-11 survivors and all affected by both that day and the events that came afterward. 9-11 survivors? What about the people who died? You're not thinking about them? Just because they can't read your Twitter thread? Because they can't go to Shutterstock.com and get you revenue? You're not thinking about them? There are a few replies to this tweet, all of which are hidden. One, uh, my, my personal favorite reads... Thanks for exemplifying absolutely everything which is sociopathic about Twitter, quote-unquote, entrepreneurs. Did she lie? Did she tell a lie? Truly. Truly, we thank you, John, for showing us what these people look like, because it's horrific. And change your kid's name, by the way, if you forgot. I know that was kind of a bit ago in this podcast. Change your kid's name. Serena's my name. Why would you name your kid Serena? You know that's my name. You didn't bother to, like, look up Serena on Twitter? I'm there. I'm there. Why did you name your kid that? I'm... It's taken. I feel like what bothers me most is that... (laughs) I mean, besides the fact that he's out of his mind, is that he deleted it. Because here's the thing. This guy's obviously evil. 
There's obviously some sort of, like, personality disorder going on here, whatever. There's probably some sort of mood stabilizer that he should be taking, and instead he decided to chug Windex. He decided to add it to his bulletproof coffee in the morning. My issue is, if you're going to be a heartless capitalist, be a heartless capitalist. Do it! Stick to the script, but you can't. You're a coward. You don't even have the courage to do that. You have all the wickedness and none of the nerve to back it up. If he had posted, like, when I saw 9-11 happening in front of my own eyes, my first thought was, how can I capitalize off of this? Because that was very obviously the implication of what he was saying. If he said that, I mean, it's equally concerning, obviously. Like, it's the same thing, but, you know, he says it like that, hats off to you, sir. I'm not saying a word. You don't have my respect, but I'll leave you alone. Because you said exactly what you were thinking, but you to make it some faux inspirational bullshit about the most absurdly evil thought you have ever had? You're sick! You're sick! You're sick. And you're not even as famous as Gary Vee. Okay, enough of that. Enough of that. I might talk more about internet entrepreneurs in the future. I would absolutely love to. I would be ecstatic. But time's a ticking. I am about to be joined by Isaac Likes, DJ, influencer, TikToker, party thrower. The list goes on. Enjoy. I want to start off. Okay, give me your name, a real title, and then like a metaphorical title. Okay, when you say title, you mean like what I do for work? Yes. Okay. So my name is Isaac Hinden Miller, but I would assume that more people probably know me as Isaac Likes. And technically, I am a DJ, but in reality, like I'm a former journalist who turned into a social media content creator and a DJ. And Love. metaphorically, I guess I am a unicorn. I love that. So you're throwing a party tonight. What's, where's that going to be? What's the scene? Okay, so I'm throwing a party at the Jane Hotel, which is on the west side, which is actually the first place I ever stayed the very first time I came to New York City. So we've That's the first circle. place I ever blacked out from alcohol. So uh, I love it. Beautiful. Yeah, well, actually, it might have been for me as well. <laughs> no joke. It actually might have been for me. Wow. It's a time for firsts. Yeah, it is. So, it really um, is. I'm doing it at the Grand Ballroom at the Jane Hotel, which is the downstairs area, which fits like 500 people. So this is by far the biggest party that I've ever thrown. Oh, all right. Yeah, because thanks to TikTok, um, which I've been, you know, advertising the parties on TikTok and literally hundreds and hundreds of people have been coming. And so the last few venues that we've thrown the parties at, we've had this massive complaint that people have had issues getting in. And so tonight, I imagine nobody will have issues getting in. You're just too famous. So do you just like post about them and like have people DM you or whatever? Yeah. So basically I use, uh, you know, I've been DJing and throwing parties for a long time in New York and, um, and I've had like a bit of a following on Instagram for a really long time. And I would post on my stories, Hey, I'm DJing here tonight. You guys should come. And like 10 people would show up. Right. And this is with mm -hmm. 40,000 followers on Instagram. And now on TikTok, 
I will post and be like, hey, I'm throwing a party tonight. And literally like the last couple hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have shown up. That's so cool. Yeah, so TikTok is really like a game changer. I need to throw a party soon. You do. I have the idea. um, This would never happen. But in my dreams, I want to start a speakeasy inside of a Michael's Arts and Crafts. That's Mm. my ultimate goal. And will, uh, like, will somebody have to construct a piece of art or craft in order to get into the bar? No, but if we look at you and you're like, we're like, he can't handle glitter glue, then like, you can't come in. We have a very a creative cool. bouncer. Mm-hmm. Good judge of character, maybe a psychic. Perfect. Yeah. So what, what kind of crowd do you like to DJ for or particularly dislike DJing? Okay, I, I, I think it's much easier to say who I dislike uh, DJing for. And it's more fun. Yeah. So um, I, when it's all white people, it's always the most difficult, most annoying, most entitled, <laughs> most, uh, yeah, like least likely to start dancing. Um, yeah, they're, they're just the toughest crowd for sure. And by far the most likely to come up to me like drunk it's always blonde girls by the way drunk blonde girls coming up to me with their phone in their hands like shoving it in my face with like a a spotify playlist or song and being like play this next it's never even like please it's like play this next and then if i say i'll play you know yes i will play it it might not be next but i will play it and then 30 seconds later um you haven't played it yet what kind of songs are they requesting i'm picturing like chain smokers Yes, definitely t- Chainsmokers, Tiesto. Uh, the, the most requested song of Tiesto is like this um, kind of like loud house music, uh, kind of techno DJ. He's Dutch. Okay. Yeah, right. um, but the, the most requested song of the summer is that one. All I need is your love tonight, which actually got famous on TikTok. I think maybe I haven't been going outside because I've never heard that song. I hope that you'll come to my party tonight. Re- Should <laughs> I like, come? You're like, I won't. <laughs> Is this an official invitation? Yes, of course. I really, really want you there. Thank you. Maybe. Oh, do you have any, what are the crowds that are like most depressing? Because there are some parties I go to and I look around and I want to cry. The most depressing crowd. Uh, I mean, honestly, like, as long as people are willing to have fun, like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really bother me. Like, I, I DJ'd arguably um, the, how do I phrase this? Okay, so I DJ'd every weekend at Surf Lodge in Montauk, and it is a, an overwhelmingly white, uh, overwhelmingly entitled, overwhelmingly privileged, um, and I would say, like, this year in particular, it's like Jersey Rich. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's tough. Um, but the good thing about them is that they have traveled like four hours just to get wasted and have the time of their lives. And so like, so like if they're willing to show up and like and go crazy, it's an amazing yeah. crowd, right? But it's an annoying crowd when they're like, when everybody's sort of like looking around at each other and kind of, I don't know, like insecure. I, I, I would say the most annoying crowd is like ultimate downtown cool kids. Because mm. nothing, nothing is ever fun enough for them. Nothing is ever cool enough. Nothing's ever ironic enough. You know what I mean? I, that crowd gives me so much anxiety. Oh, me too. Nothing me is too. cool with them. 
Yeah, and nothing's funny for them either. It's like they're too insecure to actually laugh at anything as well. Every they only like things that are obscure enough that like only they can like them, and it's like, yeah. come on, like we all we all like Taylor Swift. Don't even play with me. Exactly, exactly, and also like due to the Drakeification of the world, I call this like Drakeification. How like everybody in like London, New York, Los Angeles, Sydney, Auckland, Toronto, like looks and dresses exactly the same mm. and listens to all the same music. Like the cool kids in in like downtown New York City are literally on exactly the same wavelength as everybody else anyway. So shut <laughs> the fuck up. Do you like playing in the Hamptons? Yeah, I do. It's like, I mean, I like it because people really, really want to like party. So yeah, I do like that. I think that's fun. I went there for like Memorial Day weekend and it was not fun. But I mm. think that was my mistake going then. Where did you go? God, I don't know, just a random, it was very much like a promoter event, but I don't think it was at an actual club. But was it in Montauk or which part of the Hampton? Uh, Southampton? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, it was like promoters I, mean, I unfortunately recognized from the city because I was 19 once, two years ago. Right, uh, I, I have to like be honest, I wouldn't go if I wasn't working. Yeah. But I, I enjoy the fact that I get to work out there. It can be fun. I like I like the Hamptons as a place to uh, like as a Grey Gardens type place over Gossip Girl, you know? Yeah, for sure. I like to just hang out there and uh, not groom any gardens. Yeah. Did you see that TikTok that was uh, going around of like the long it was like the long driveway, like uh, like leading up to this colossal estate with like a topiary garden and stuff like that. It was very like, do you remember Cruel Intentions? Yeah, you know, there's that great house movie. in Cruel Intentions. Oh, I, th- I actually think it might have been that house, and like lots of people were like going and Airbnbing uh, at that house and like doing videos, and it looked like an idyllic escape from the city. That looks incredible. I love how like on TikTok, the only thing it takes to blow up is just like a big house. Like mm-hmm. someone could be doing like the most boring dance, but if they have high enough ceilings. That's sure. always, always blowing up. How would... Oh, I also, oh, sorry, I'm just not to, sorry. Oh, to you're, good, you're good, you're um, Remember that one that was like, when you're bored at home, but then you remember that you have your own personal oh, cinema. Oh, God, kill like, me. Fuck you. Yeah, living in an apartment where you're like five steps away from your fridge and bed, like, okay, that's great. That's great that you yeah. have uh, a sauna or whatever. Uh, how did you get started on TikTok? What was your like, original content so i have been you know so i started a blog in 2008 uh it wasn't a photo blog it was a writing you know it was like i wrote articles on the internet i was what they used to refer to as an independent publisher Mm. so i was like a journalist who wrote for myself for a really long time and then i started writing for newspapers and magazines all over the world uh and my specialty area was fashion and so i think that like i i started this like uh content creation thing really really early on in the social media days and then I got into Instagram like early on and I built a following and by like 2018 I would say um I was earning most of my money from DJing and because before that I'd earned like most of my money from Instagram collaborations and blog collaborations mm-hmm. and um and my instagram was like plateauing and likes were going down and i was losing followers and i had this deep-seated hatred for social media and um but i did have social media like managers like agents and they were like 
there's this new app it's called tiktok you should get on there i think it's like really suits your personality and i was like i hate social media so much there's no way in hell i'm getting onto another app and then fast forward like two years of this one person being like get on the app get on the app get on the app Finally, I like, and I was so stubborn, I like refused to even download it to even like look at what it was. So I didn't even have that like preconception that it was like kids dancing or anything like that. I knew nothing <laughs> about it because I refused to even You want to like, clarify that you did not download it to see kids dancing. Is everyone listening? Yeah, uh, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> not even, no, 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 no. I'm not even clarifying that. Like, I can't even say like, I didn't even have that excuse. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm even like one step further than that. So anyway, I downloaded it finally in, uh, during Art Basel 2019, so like four months before the lockdown. And within a day of being on and scrolling for like an hour and a half, I was like, oh, like this is fucking genius. And and so I like started, you know, and I would like post Instagram stories a lot. And so I started posting the same sort of stuff like on TikTok that I would post on Instagram stories and like nothing happened. And then uh, maybe three months in, I had a video that I had posted like a long time earlier, like two months earlier, all of a sudden blow up in one afternoon. And like, it was, you know, that thing where you all of a sudden get like- What was the video? Notifications. It was an unboxing, ASMR unboxing video. Trendy. of me, Like throwing these packages like across the room and then like throwing a knife up in the air and cutting open the, you know, cutting on <laughs> the, the box and stuff like that. And, um, and so the next day I posted another one of those videos and then, and then I got introduced to CC, who was like the head of fashion partnerships at TikTok. And I was really lucky that because I'm verified on Instagram, she like verified me straight away, even though I, I had less than a hundred followers, right? So I got verified with less than a hundred followers. It had nothing to do with talent and everything to do with um, me getting like introduced to the right person. And she started sending me a list of what was going to be trending that week on TikTok. And so uh, I started making videos that were going to be like fitting into the trends of that week. That's so interesting. Yeah. So I really like approached it as strategically as I possibly, like there was no, there was nothing like by chance in the way that I uh, approached TikTok. Like I really tried to do it as strategically as possible. That's very smart. Yeah. I did the opposite at first and now I'm like, uh oh, I got to be strategic with it. But I mean, I, I think I found you like, cause I, I reached out to you like really, really early on. I, yeah. like, I don't think you had a huge following at the time. Right. Yeah. Do you remember what it was? No. But I remember, I remember like seeing your videos and being like, damn, this girl is genius, like brilliant. <laughs> and I think I'm pretty sure that you might've even had less than 10,000 followers at the time. And there were a few people that I was like, that I saw like really early on. I was like, damn, this shit is like insane. And then you blew the fuck up. So congratulations. All of your success is well-deserved. I'm a big fan. (laughs) Thank you. So are you like, are you super interested in building like a personal brand or are you just mostly doing that to promote your work and you want like your work to speak, speak for itself ultimately? I mean, like, I would lie if I said I hadn't been a shameless self-promoter since day one of my life. Love. Um, And so, like, everything that I have ever done has generally been to put myself in front of people, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is, like, not as enticing to me these days at the age of 37 as it was when I was, like, 21 years old, Um, you know, and I, like, all I wanted in life was to be famous. Um, but as I have gotten older, I have definitely seen how having a social media following leads to other opportunities. 
And really these days, the things that I'm most interested in are uh, like booking DJing jobs and getting my brand, I Like You, out there in front of as many people as possible. Yeah, I Like You is huge. How did that well, come about? I, I don't know about huge, but it's, it's definitely it's grown. Like the parties are helping. Large. So like the, I'm, it's supple. The, the parties that I'm throwing. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pert. Um, <laughs> The parties that I'm throwing are all branded as I like you parties. And so I like you was the last three words of every single blog post that I ever wrote. So I've been using I like you as like my catchphrase since 2008. Yeah. And, um, And I would travel to like Paris Fashion Week, Milan Fashion Week and stuff. And I would interview people. And when I would interview them, I would give them a sticker that said, I like you. And then IsaacLikes.com at the bottom of it. So they, I'd be like, your interview will be here tomorrow. Right. And everybody always reacted really strongly to the sticker. And so, of course, like I should have done lots of things with the sticker like immediately, but I didn't. But then eight years later or seven years later, I was one half of the DJ duo with my ex-fiance, Jenny. We were called Isaac Likes Jenny. And then just before the wedding, she unceremoniously dumped my sorry ass. And um, Okay, we'll go back to that later, love. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, And we stopped working together. And I was like, fuck, like I have like, I've been Isaac Likes like my entire career. And then all of a sudden, like I've been branding myself as Isaac Likes Jenny for like all this time. Like I need to try and like reclaim my name back. And the thought popped into my head, hey, people really like those I Like You stickers. Maybe I should bring them back. And so I started going to my gigs and giving people those I Like You stickers when I was DJing and I had my Instagram Instagram at the bottom. And um, people responded really strongly to the stickers again. And so I was like, maybe I should make some t-shirts. That's so smart. Yeah. I mean, for the people listening who don't live in New York, they're everywhere. The stickers everywhere I go in like East Village, Lower East Side, Williamsburg. It's like a, a Where's Waldo of I Like You stickers. Yeah. So those circle stickers and they fit perfectly on the padlocks that hold down oh, store yeah. windows. And so I put them on all those padlocks. That's incredible. I, I feel like I need to steal that idea and just terrorize, uh, you, you know, Midtown. All the all the weekday salad spots, they're not even ready for me. Know, those, those Patagonia vests do not know what's going to hit them. Exactly. Uh, okay, so ex-fiance, she, when did she leave you? Uh, she left me <laughs> the day that, so we had, um, we put down the deposit for the wedding, but she left me the day that we were sending out the invitations. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, so how did you uh, handle that? Did that like, fuel you creatively was, at any point no I was devastated yeah. I was it was like I was like um we're like on really good terms now and I have nothing but love for her her name is Jenny she's a fantastic person and she's a queen and a star and um and I love her dearly but um I did not love her dearly at the time um <laughs> after the breakup I was I was really really devastated I was super blindsided and um and I was like fuck like this is a nightmare and I was also scared because I was like, everybody knows us as a DJ duo. Yeah. And like, and this is just like the facts, like we were very, very successful at the time. Like we were, we'd done uh, campaigns for Versace, Calvin Klein. Like we were kind of like one of those Instagram goals mm. couples at the time. And so, yeah, we did campaigns and like TV commercials for like Coach, Versace, Calvin Klein, like Alex and Annie, that jewelry brand that was like, on taxi TV when before Uber was like the major transport source in New York, like we were on taxi TV every 30 <laughs> seconds, you know, like that's amazing. So we had like a lot of, you know, we were like um, traveling around DJing major, major parties for, you know, like 
yeah, Celeron and, you know, like big, big brands, big, we were doing big things. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to work again because like without, without her, like nobody's going to want me by myself. So I was terrified. Um, but I guess I like threw myself into working out and I got that like dream breakup bod, um, which has since lapsed. Uh, and uh, um, you just need to have it once. Yeah, it was, it was good. Just while prove you can do it. Yeah. And I, um, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it did fuel me to like, be like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm on like good terms with every single PR agent in New York city to make sure that I still do get booked for jobs. And I did hustle a lot and like, it all ended up okay. But I was terrified at the time that I was like, never going to work again. And I didn't date for again, for like, I didn't like seriously date again for like three and a half years. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So it really like, it shook me like real bad. What's your dating life like now? Cause I, I feel like every time I hear someone talk to you about it, there it's implied that it's juicy or was juicy uh, at a certain I'm point. in a relationship. I'm, I'm in a relationship now. So I'm, I'm in a relationship. Oh, yeah. I know Miranda. <laughs> yeah. When did you, you guys got together? Like during quarantine, during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah during the pandemic, uh, which was kind of a crazy way to get to know somebody because all of a sudden, not only were we, we like, you know, like locked down at home, but then we were doing the protests every day for mm. Black Lives Matter. So we literally like got to know each other while we were like marching and screaming fuck the police, like on the streets of New York City during the lockdown. Romantic. And it was romantic, but it was also like, yeah, it was, a, it was definitely like a crazy, crazy time. And then um, because, you know, that there was a the whole like unemployment thing, like they cut off that extra $600 that everybody was getting. Like my industry got destroyed, obviously, because like, yeah. as a DJ, there was no, there was no work. So I uh, went on unemployment last year and then they cut off that extra 600 bucks and I was getting $124 a week from the government or something like that. And so I was like, fuck, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. Mm -hmm. And so I sublet my apartment here in New York and we moved to Miami for a few months. Oh yeah. I remember seeing you guys. Yeah. So that, that was cool. And then um, Miami started getting really hot and we were like, this is kind of crazy. And we, and New York started opening up. So we came back and yeah. So like we're, we're together and um, back in New York and stuff, but like, I definitely, I did that classic after the breakup. Like I did date a few girls um, or a few women or whatever, <laughs> but I definitely would say that I, um, I did that classic thing that I feel like people who are terrified of like being vulnerable or being rejected do where like you only get into a relationship with somebody where you know that like they might be more into you than you are into them or like you yeah. can hold them at arm's length. And so you control the situation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you're doing that, it's like, you feel like you're in the powerful position because you've got nothing to lose, but like really you're kind of just being like a dick. Yeah, you're wasting so, both of your times. Yeah, exactly. And so I was, I did that. I did that for a couple of years with like a few different, uh, with a few different people, and it didn't really like end in happiness for anybody involved. But I'm still like on fine terms with these people. But like, you know, it wasn't. I don't. I don't think that they would like look back on it and be like, oh yeah, like he was like the best dude ever because I was only like meeting them like caught away. Maybe were they girls who are like in your world, whether it's like social media or nightlife or whatever. Uh, yeah, more like probably more nightlife. And also like I have definitely found that um, like if you are a person who is involved in nightlife and the other person is involved in nightlife, then it's a situation of two wrongs do not make a right. Yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's terrible. That does not sound fun. And I, and, I, and I would say the same thing for like two influences. 
like also terrible. I don't even, I don't want anyone I'm dating to like know uh, my username. <laughs> Cause yeah. I just think it's like, I don't want them to be analyzing that from the point of view of our relationship. Cause I'm yeah. just and fucking also, around. Yeah. yeah. And also like, I mean, I imagine it's the same for you, but like we play a character, right? Yeah. And it's so, very yeah. like, I don't know. I've, I've dated guys who knew my social media and they would very much like keep up with it and think that like everything was about them. And most of the time it wasn't, but I mean, I, yeah. I went on a date like the other night that I, I so badly want to parody it on TikTok, but I'm like, I don't know if he knows my social media. I'm going to give it a couple weeks, but I'm very excited to make fun mm. of him. Yeah. I, I look forward to I look forward to watching it and so like yeah as a I'm I'm the type of person that you could never be in a relationship with because I would be like consuming every single piece of content yeah you're counting like question mark <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, do you know what's funny I have a friend who is um I have a friend who dates like a famous like Instagram girl and he doesn't even follow her on Instagram. <laughs> and they've been, they've been together, like, they live together now. They've been Good for him. Years. Honestly, yeah, that sounds like, like the most healthy situation. What is she doing on Instagram? Uh, she like fashion, fashion kind of stuff. So are you like into the fashion Instagram scene? Because I feel like there's a lot of like sides to that. Yeah, and I mean, I like, I have made the, um, I'd say like almost 50% of my income from being a part of the fashion Instagram world for like many, many years. Uh, I, yeah. So like most of my money before like DJing really took off for me, most of my money came from brand collaborations on Instagram. So like it's a world that I'm intimate with yeah, and I'm like super familiar with. And I guess I've like rubbed shoulders with a lot of those people because like we're all on, like we're all at the same events together where you all travel together to like Milan, Paris, New York and London for the fashion weeks. So I feel like, like, and because it's just like when you do those sorts of jobs and you're alongside those people, like I don't feel like very many other people can relate to the intricacies of mm -hmm. the world. And also who the fuck wants to hear a bunch of people who, and I'm not one of these people, but like a bunch of people who have a million followers on Instagram complaining about how difficult their lives are. And I think like, I don't know, a lot of people with fashion people assume that everyone's judging their style. And a lot of the internet fashion people are, to be fair, mm. to be totally fair. Yeah. But yeah, these days I like, these days I definitely think like, I'm, I think of myself as more of like, and then maybe this is even douchier, but like, I think of myself as more of an entertainer than anything else. Like I throw parties, I perform at parties. Yeah, no, I, try, I try to make people laugh on the internet, you know? And so like, I'm much less interested in being aligned with a specific like fashion thing these days than I ever was. Did you start off like with writing? Did you start off writing about fashion? Yeah, but my interest in fashion, I think was probably more in the fact that like there were famous people involved. There was like glamour, there was hysteria. Like the, <laughs> the biggest artist, like I, I, my thing was breaking stories, right? So the things mm. that I used to write about was very much like this company is going out of business and they've fired a hundred people in one day. Um, this model has killed himself on the first day of Milan Fashion Week and he was supposed to be walking in the Burberry show three hours later. Isaac Hindenmiller investigates you know like oh, that fun. was kind of my thing yeah that's... yeah so and that was basically like my beat right um or like you know or like really like silly petty things like London Fashion Week has moved their um their Fashion Week forward and they're clashing with the dates of Milan Fashion Week and the organizer uh, organizers are having like a big fight with each other 
Isaac Hindenmiller investigates, you know, like, <laughs> so I used to write like business stories like that for business of fashion. I used to write like retail stories for the New York times. I used to write more personal stories for like GQ and Esquire and stuff like that. But like my thing really was like wherever something bad was happening was where I was going to try to be love first. that love that yeah You're like and the then it just helped in a fashion kind of it wasn't <laughs> gossip so much as like as like just factual dark, yeah. yeah yeah and um and then it just got to a point where I was like the only thing people are interested in reading from me is like horrible and it, it gets stressful like you know like you don't want to call the mother of some kid who has just killed himself yeah but that's the job that's literally the job calling the agent and be like have you got a comment you know, and I just got to a point where I like, I burned out on it. And I was like, I'm, I, yeah, like, I just don't want to do this shit anymore. And that's when I started to go towards like Instagram and DJing and stuff like that. So have you always been like, before you started DJing, have you always been like a nightlife person? Were you like a yeah. party girl? <laughs> yeah. So I like, I'm, I'm like publicly a um, recovering drug addict and alcoholic. And um, nice. I, I never drank alone once in my entire life like every single and I was never alone like I could not be alone I couldn't be like left within my own head for a second so like I had to be out at a bar and out of the nightclub like every single night of the week and now like being sober and DJing in those settings is it I mean is it difficult or do you uh, I'm sure it makes you better at your job do you like oh, look at, much better. do you look at the crowd and you're like okay good thing I'm not drinking yeah I mean I I'm definitely appreciative of the fact that I don't drink I don't party like if I'm not working like yeah my job is to entertain people in a room right but like I don't I'm not going to be in those rooms if I'm not working in them yeah but I'm definitely much better at like DJing than I was when I was bending down to like powder my nose every you know 45 seconds in between songs and stuff like that and then like the music cuts off and I think that it's funny but nobody else thinks it's funny because they've all just stopped dancing <laughs> that sounds funny to me honestly yeah I I maybe to us yeah but we have we have we have more evolved senses of humor I think we could use more dramatic pauses like at the club true. we use them Trigger everywhere pauses else at the club. you know it's true just a good like 30 seconds of silence. You just hear steps. That would be great. As for music, I, I interviewed Curtis Waters yesterday, who I actually, oh. I, I went to, I didn't go to high school with him, but he was like a friend of mine in North Carolina. So I've known him for a bit and I love him. Um, but I asked him what his favorite widely hated music genre is. What's yours? Hmm. Um, widely hated. Well, I mean, I think everybody says that country music sucks, but like, I think the country music is some of the best music in the mm. world. Uh, I, so my dad is a musician, right? He's like a folk musician. I think the folk music and country music are very similar yeah. to each other. One's just got more of a Southern twang. And so like, I really, really like love a good, um, a good melodic, like terribly sad country song. But I think that like whenever anybody gets asked, they always say like, I, you know, I listen to everything except the country, but I personally cannot stand techno music. I would say that's like the most popular mm. style of music that I don't personally like. I don't like dance music. I don't like house music. I don't like techno music. I'm not interested in any of that. Kind okay. Of stuff. I love that. So what are you playing as a DJ? Cause that's all I picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't play anything like that at all. So like I play hip hop mainly. And then I play pop music from like 
I would say five different decades. Love. I love disco. Like I love like Studio 54 love. disco, like Donna Summer <laughs> and uh, Chucky Khan and stuff like that. Um, and then I, um, I mean, right now I love playing a little bit of Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, I'm sure that's you know very the, popular. The biggest song, the biggest song that I've played, apart apart from that Love Tonight song that like everybody, every like white person and like every rich white person in America is obsessed with right now, um, Love Tonight. The song that I love the most this summer that people go absolutely like bananas to is I Write Sins Not Tragedies by really? Disco. Like, <laughs> I when you wasn't play that expecting in the club, that. It's like, yeah I wouldn't have expected it either and I was playing this party with this guy the other day and he played it and I was like oh my god this response is like like wild um but yeah like I the music I like playing the most is probably like hip-hop and then I really love like Afrobeat and dancehall who are your favorite like pop artists I mean Drake is probably my favorite pop artist um oh I really like that song by that new song by Kid Leroy which what's the song it's the one it's the one with Justin Bieber it's like it's massive right now um it's it's like all over TikTok they keep on showing them perform it like on the roof of different venues no you haven't seen it no you're not <laughs> everybody every everybody listening to this will know and I'm sure that you would not wait should we try and like wait what's your music situation wait you have I, have my, I have my phone here what's it called do you know yeah it's so it's the kid k-i-d and then L-A-R-O-I. And it'll be whatever song has got like 100 million listens on Spotify. Okay. Oh, Stay. Let's see. Oh, it's playing on And I believe that Charlie Puth wrote it. Charlie Puth's written a lot. Yeah, this one. Oh. This sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I thought that was Machine Gun Kelly for some reason. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> similar, why. Similar. I think I just haven't heard Kendall Machine Gun Kelly. Kid Leroy is actually Australian. Who? Yeah, okay, it could be that. Um, so yeah, uh, he's Australian. The Kid Leroy, that kid, the guy who sings that song is Australian. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm a New Zealander, which is a common common misconception. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. Um, but what other pop music do I love? I mean, I love ABBA. Me too. I love ABBA. So like, yeah, I would say like ABBA is one of my favorite things to play. Once a guy came up to me at a party and he went, I'm psychic and I can tell you what your favorite ABBA song is. And I was like, I love this. (laughs) You tell. And he says, Fernando. And I was like, how did you know? Was it really? Yeah. It scared me. That's amazing. I don't know why there was something spiritual going on there. Wow. Was he straight? No idea. He was straighter than you would expect uh, from (laughs) someone who asked that question. Which is something that has never been said about me. Um, (laughs) Wait, so, but was he hitting on you or he just like said that and walked away? Uh, He basically just said that and walked away. That's hot. Like, that's a power. That's hot. That's the best. uh, Maybe that's a new pickup line for the people listening. If you want to meet someone, go up to them and say, I'm a psychic and I can tell you what your favorite ABBA song is. Doesn't work with any other. Hi, guys. Editing Serena here. Oh, my God. Hi. It's been so long. How are you? You look gorgeous. Don't mind this abrupt pause. My computer ran out of storage. On with the show. I want to. I have a segment 
we're going mm-hmm. to test your DJing skills without you even DJing. Okay. I'm going to give you a scenario that hypothetically you'd be DJing and you're going to tell me what song or like artist or genre, whatever you want, you would play in that situation. Okay. Uh, we're starting off simple. Andrew Cuomo resignation party. <laughs> uh, time to say goodbye. Oh, who is that even by? By Andrea Bocelli and Sarah Brightman. You know that like the blind opera singer? Time to oh, yeah. say goodbye. And I think that would actually fit with the magnitude of the situation. That feels like his vibe. That feels like his vibe. Mm. Okay. It's 2014. You're DJing the elevator music in the elevator where Solange beat up Jay-Z. Oh, actually, I know, I know that elevator well. It, it was at the Standard Hotel. Oh, was it really? I never knew that. Yeah, at 4.44 oh a.m., which was why Jay-Z called his next album 4.44. I never realized that I have stepped into history. Okay, so the funny thing about that elevator is that, you know, it has that crazy, um, like, video going on on all of the walls, which is very similar to the Lil Nas X um, Montero video. It's kind of this, like, Lucifer falling from heaven into hell video art installation. Mm-hmm. So what would I play? Um, oh, what would I plan there? So I, I can like describe that elevator because I've spent so much time in that elevator. It's a beautiful thing. Um, but 2014, uh, I feel like, okay, so in 2014, it was probably, oh, I would have played like Call Me Maybe. Oh, that's fun. I love Carly, uh, Carly Slay Jepsen. Yeah, I actually still play that song to this day. I've been playing it a lot this summer. It's a lot of fun. I'll play it. It's a great song. I love Emotion. That One of my favorite mm-hmm. albums of all time. We'll do something simple next. My First Wedding. Uh, I would play, okay, so for, for I feel like, um, would I be correct in assuming, and I say this because of, like, the, because of what you talk about in a lot of your I'm going to say content. right now, you're going to be correct. Okay. Go on. Uh, would you say that like 90% of the guests are um, of the LGBTQIA plus Oh, community? of course, yeah. Okay, so I would probably play um, nails, uh, nails, hair, hips. Wait, nails, hips, hair, lips by, um, is it Todrick? Is it Todrick? You know that song? Uh, it's like, from, it's like a- Yeah, I think that's Todrick. Oh my God, yeah. love. Yeah, That's I a great that. choice. Very romantic. Mm-hmm. Wildly romantic. A party that you didn't know was sponsored by PETA until you showed up in a fur coat and there's no coat check. <laughs> uh, oh, no, God, I, almost, I almost said something terrible. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, about who let the dogs out by the bar. And you're revealing that it's actually dog fur. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's, dumb, it's my Dalmatian coat. Oh, I love. Mm. I love Cruella DeVille, one of my favorite characters. But the hood is is um is baby uh, golden Labrador. Oh, sounds adorable. Soft yeah. and, and more and more fleece. Very but. comfortable. Mm-hmm. All right, I love that. Okay. Clearly, another... I care. I care deeply about these issues. Don't we all? Of mm. course. Another sponsored party, uh, sponsored by Pepsi. Two days after the Kendall Jenner ad came out. Oh, right. Um, maybe Kumbaya. <laughs> oh, trying to get, you know, the spirit of forgiveness, the spirit of unity. 
but I think the irony is, is the irony is not even implied. The irony is just immediately there. Uh, what would we play? Oh, there was a great song called Hey Rich Girl by The Virgins that came out in 2010. It was actually in the first series of Gossip Girl. Hey Rich Girl. Okay. And it's and it's it's a song, it's a song about like rich Upper East Side girls who are like coming downtown to party, but they're like super entitled and super annoying. I'm familiar. Are those the same as the blonde girls who come up to you and ask you to play uh, the Chainsmokers? Actually, they're probably not exactly the same. I think that the, like, it's more likely, I would imagine, more like a rich, uh, rich Jersey Italian blonde who's coming mm. up to me and screaming at me and stuff like that in the Hamptons. What's, like, the worst New York archetype to, like, play for? Is it, like, the finance bro, the basic West Village girl? I, I mean, basic, like... Basic white people are the worst people alive. Yeah. They're the worst consumers of all forms of culture, popular or not popular. And um, so, yeah, like the types of crowds who come up to me and ask me 15 times a night for Mr. Brightside and who ask <laughs> me for, for Don't Stop Believing and Come On Eileen. You know, so it's that like... Um, oh, you've been playing like nursing homes? Yeah. Or like, um, but it's also that like what you see on TikTok, like the intern, like Thebes crowd. Mm. and I'm lucky that I actually don't play those kinds of venues or those kinds of crowds really at all but like every now and again you'll get a group of them roll in and you're just like oh you are like you should be put down you should be put down exactly Peter I know you listened earlier for the shout out but I hope you didn't hear that yeah so. I mean but I, I don't think that Peter is anti-humans being put down are they honestly they're, yeah they're probably not yeah I think they're fine with that they're not particularly um, nice people yeah uh so but like i guess the worst thing so the the annoying crowds for me are like when there's songs that are amazing that like any random human being with any like modicum of good taste loves the song right and it's a famous popular song but i know that this crowd is so basic that they're not even gonna like know the song like what song uh like a song by like Wizkid or Burner Boy or like like anything that is just like slightly um slightly left of of like the white shit that they like there's the only thing they've ever consumed right yeah just like a degree away and I really like I talk about this a lot like about like it is really like this difference between white people and everybody else because it's like I feel like everybody else consumes all culture and white people a lot of the time only consume white culture yeah and um yeah and so like that's that's for me the most annoying but like the worst thing that happens to me when I'm playing a gig is drunk girls who try to come up behind the booth and like either touch the equipment or touch me that sounds horrible it is and I also have this thing like I don't like making prolonged eye contact with people either and sometimes you have these like girls standing in front of you just like staring you out and I'm just like this is so awkward I would like I don't it like puts me off when I'm like doing my job Oh, and the other thing, the other thing I don't like, there's one other thing I really don't like is when people like lean over to see what the next song that I'm going to choose is going to be. And it's the same thing as like when you're writing or something uh, like yeah. that, and somebody's like looking over your shoulder and you're like, I yeah. can't. You're like on Twitter, like, oh, wait, sorry. I was supposed to be, I was supposed to be DJing. Yeah. <laughs> I get like secondhand embarrassment anytime I see people like near the, I don't even go near it. Mm. I'm like, you're this right, is you, not. You, I wouldn't mind if you came down, but it would be fine. You can request a song anytime you like. 
<laughs> just me being like, can you play Carly Rae Jepsen emotion? <laughs> yeah. Why haven't you played? It's been 30 seconds. You're like, you haven't played Black Eyed Peas yet. Exactly. Oh, I, also, I also cannot stand playing uh like god's plan and like you know like kiki i had a like a friend of a friend was throwing uh his birthday party and my friend who's like close to him wanted me to come and so i came with him with uh with her and i walked in i literally didn't even there was no point in which like i had both feet in the party at the same time i left that fast because I saw uh, just like the crowd and I heard she said, do you love me? I tell her only. And I have never turned around so fast. Yeah, It was absolutely horrible. I mean, that's a sign from God when that specific part of the song is playing when you walk into a party. That's a sign you need to get out. Would you say that uh, being at a party was not part of God's plan for you? It literally, it's God's plan. God showed me a sign and Mm -hmm. I very much appreciate it. Okay, last scenario. You are Mm -hmm. DJing Ma's Basement from the 2019 psychological thriller Ma, starring Octavia Spencer. Mm, I'm not familiar, sorry. You've definitely seen like memes of it. Uh, It's like the the movie where there's like a middle-aged woman who invites all these high schoolers to party in her basement. Oh, She's like, don't make me drink alone. I saw the trailer of that of that movie. Okay. Um, so what is she playing? Oh, I feel like, do you know what the scariest thing for me is? The scariest thing for me is in horror movie trailers where you have a little girl singing in nursery rhyme but in this like slightly yeah. like off-key kind of thing. That terrifies me more than anything else on the planet. Or clown music that is like in a scary tone. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you slow that shit down, it is spooky as fuck. So I feel like she'd be playing that. I'm going to go tonight and go up to the booth and be like, can you play slow down circus music? <laughs> can you? Hey, I said play slow down circus music. It's been 30 seconds. <laughs> it's been 30 seconds. Why are you playing Drake? No one wants this. Yeah, children are terrifying. They are. They are terrifying. So are you playing that nursery rhyme or are you are you throwing off the vibes and making it like a cool party but then there's even more of a twist i feel like uh when they're walking down the stairs it's like fun carnival music with like crowd noises Mm. and then as they walk down like further down the stairs and the door shuts behind them it slows down all of a sudden and takes a sinister turn Ooh. You could add like children laughing. Yes. Love, love. Yes. Okay, sounds gorgeous. I mean, sounds like mm. uh, the song of the summer, honestly. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to uh, promote or say to the people? Uh, well, I, I throw parties approximately every two to three weeks. Uh, you can learn all about them on at I Like You on Instagram. So please come. Everybody is welcome. Um, and then I guess, yeah, like um, the thing that I love doing the most besides DJing is making TikTok videos. And so you can follow me on Isaac Likes underscore on TikTok. All right. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for having me. Can you end it by saying, I like you. Yay. <laughs> Beautiful performance.
Hope everyone enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening, sweet cheeks. I decided I'm going to start flirting with you guys at the end of episodes. I feel like for many of you, it's probably like the only affection you'll get. So you're welcome um, in advance. As always, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, GlamDemon2004. And you can follow the podcast Instagram at Let Me Ruin Your Life Pod and DM for questions and requests. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Kiss, kiss. Mwah.